0: Marcus, you are looking fly, looking good. Moving on. Oh, Oh, all right. Just kidding. Welcome to Echo Online. Discover a life-giving local church where you'll find the community and the support that you have been looking for. Join us for our services at Mayo High on Sundays at 9.15 a.m. or 10.45 a.m. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna go to both services because I'm just really, really a good Christian. Um, At Echo, we hope you will find your place, experience a true sense of belonging, and we hope that you will find your people here building friendships and finding support. Most importantly, at Echo, we want to help you discover your unique Mm -hmm. purpose in life. We believe this is what we're all seeking, and we can't wait to share it with you. Yeah, absolutely. As always, check out the Echo weekly email to see what's happening at Echo. What's hot and what's not? (laughs) Discover the
1: profound impact of giving through the Echo Church. Your contributions go beyond finances. They cultivate spiritual growth, Mm -hmm. empower life-changing programs, and build a community of hope and community. Mm -hmm. Join us in the journey of faith and generosity Shaping lives and sharing God's
0: love. Awesome. And we invite you to head to our website or Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. Let's come together in generous obedience and make a difference. Enjoy the rest of service. Mm-hmm. Love at my end. You're just getting started. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker, so it's got a When I'm out of faith, you are still faithful. When I'm at my worst, you are still good. In all of my questions, you are the answer It all points. Let's lift it up this morning. You're the god of the breakthrough. When I'm breaking down, you'll be working away through. But there's no way I'll miss one thing I know. You're still
1: I was waiting for Andy to introduce me, even though he had just said, Jim, when the video's done, get up there. I I got confused, so I apologize for that. Uh, First, let me thank Pastor Andy and Christy for allowing me to speak this morning. Uh, We've been a part of each other's lives since 2003. A lot has happened in 20 years with Pastor Andy. I've had some of you ask me, what was Andy like 20 years ago? He was a little kid. That's what he was. He was a runt. He, uh, he was a snake boarder. Anyone ever heard of snake boarding? If you've never heard of it, he needs to talk to you because he used to be like a traveling snake border. And he would travel the country. And I don't know if he got money for it, but at least he had accolades that he was a snake uh, So maybe you can talk about that sometime. Um, one of the things that, that I learned when he came on is uh, Andy has this drive and uh, he has vision and he's got this thing like he can see it and then he wants to get it done it's he's kind of like a dog on a leash you know how the dogs that are like and they're trying to go and you're holding them back and they're dragging you that was Andy the first six months of working with him and uh you know and then when you let him go it's like boom well that was kind of what Andy was like um it was interesting because in that first six months the Lord kind of said to me you need to let go you need to let the leash go and you need to let Andy be who God, who's God called him to be. Instead of me trying to control him, I needed to let him go. And out of that letting go, this is what we see today. The visionary, the excitement, what God has done in his life. And then what's really cool is he was telling me about this girl that he was dating. Her name was Christy. She was up in Duluth. And, uh, and then when I met her, I was like, Andy, you are marrying up, man. You are marrying up. Because Christy has this ability, like, people like her. It doesn't matter who they are. She can be anywhere, and people like her. And we like her. And Andy married her. And he definitely married up, so... Uh, We had, you know, people were asking about stories about us. Well, we, we always had fun. We always had fun as a staff. And I remember a couple different occasions... We had just hired a youth pastor by the name of Jono, Jono Gates, and Andy had this brilliant idea, and it was only like two or three weeks into the thing. And he he comes and talks to all of us. I think he sent a note or something Andy did and said, hey, we're going to have staff photos tomorrow, but we're not going to tell (laughs) Jono. So all of us come in suits and ties and dresses, and Jono, Jono came in, he's kind of a buff guy, Jono came in wearing this nice tight shirt He had these skinny, tight jeans on, and he walks into the staff meeting, and we're all sitting in suits and ties and dresses, right? And he's like, what's going on? We're all staff photo today. Didn't you know? And he's like, no, nobody told me. Can I go home? And we all said, no, the photos come up right now. You can't go home. So we went outside and we were taking photos and there's Jono. We put him in the front of the people <laughs> and we're all standing behind him and we are dying laughing because he's standing there in his jeans and his t-shirt flexing his muscles, you know, and here we all stand and we had so much fun. On one of the occasions, I, and I, I couldn't remember who it was, but we had a, one of these tall ladders and we were fixing some lights up in the top of the ceiling of the sanctuary and I had this idea. Why don't we pretend somebody fell from the ladder? <laughs> And have them lay on the ground, and then I'll run down the hallway going, help, help, somebody fell off the ladder. And I ran down the hall, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Ernie, Bruce, I don't know. They were laying on the ground by the ladder like they had fallen, right? Playing like they're dead, and I'm running down the hallway screaming, they fell off the ladder. And you should have seen people come running down the hallway, running down the hallway. And then, of course, when they get there, like Bruce he goes, "Eh," he kind of smiles, you know. That was the kind of stuff that we did as a team. So uh, there's more stories, but it it would not be good to share. Uh, Some of you I know, many of you I don't. After some 35 years of full-time pastoral ministry, Julie and I are now living in the Twin Cities, and I am doing ministry totally different Uh, I have the privilege to oversee all the ministerial credentials. So anyone that's a a credential with the Assemblies of God in Minnesota, their files come across my desk. Um, interesting. We also have 245 churches. We have about 1,100 ministers and missionaries and evangelists and people that are tent makers that work a secular job and yet they're doing ministry on the side. And we also have this great camp called Lake Geneva Christian Center and your kids, your teens went there recently. And so it's just, I get to oversee the financial side. I get to oversee the credentialing side and it's fun. In the midst of this, every weekend pretty much Probably three times a month, I am out preaching. I I have been to Thief River Falls, Halleck. I didn't even know there was a town called Halleck at one point, right? Carlstead, Bemidji, International Falls, Goodland, Meadowlands, Beaver Bay, Cloquet, Crosby, Bram, Forest Lake, New York Mills, Eagle Bend, Freeport, Clarkfield, Granite Falls, Hutchinson, Annandale, Wells, Owatonna, Ellendale, and now I am at Echo today. So... For the past two to three weeks, I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to say? You know, I don't want to embarrass Andy. I want to make sure I do a good job. Uh, What do you want me to say? And I had a number of different thoughts come into my mind, but he kept taking me down to this passage in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles handy, turn with me to John chapter 15, whether electronic or paper Bible, but you might want to pull that out. John chapter 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15. But before we uh, get into that... When I got voted in by my peers to go up to the Twin Cities, Julie was still teaching, and she wanted to finish her teaching year uh, in Rochester. And Janae was going into the eighth grade, and she wanted to finish her middle school uh, years in Rochester. And so I went and asked my dad, Dad, he's eight, he was 81 at the time, Dad, can I come and live with you again? And uh, he's like, oh, sure, son, you know. And so I, I would stay with him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, come home Friday, Saturday, and then be gone Sunday again through Thursday. And w- one of the nights after work, I... I came home, and I said, hey, Dad, do you want to go watch uh, my nephew, your grandson, his name is Jack, do you want to go watch him play baseball? Um, He played for St. Anthony. And so my dad's like, yeah, he loves baseball. So we got there about a half hour before the game, and and as we're walking up to the field, um, I noticed that out on the field, we were playing Forest Lake, Out on the field, Forest Lake was having batting practice. They're they're hitting the ball around. They're doing double plays. They've got the guys out in the outfield, and they're hitting balls up in the sky, and the guys are catching them. you got the pitcher and catcher over here warming up, and I'm thinking, wow, these guys are excited. And then I looked over at St. Anthony my nephew's team, and they're all sitting in the dugout with their feet dangling from the chair, and they're twiddling their thumbs more or less. And I thought, what's wrong with this photo here, right? And then I look over at the stands, the bleachers, and all these Forest Lake parents, and they've got their colored shirts on, and they're cheering, they're excited. And then I look at our bleachers, and there's two people, me and my dad. And I thought, what is wrong with this, right? Something's Something's not okay. And I felt in my spirit, the Lord said, Some people come to play the game to win, and some people come to play the game and then just go home. And then he kind of spiritualized it. He said it's a lot like church. Some people come to church to play to win, and some people come to church to play and then just go home. Which leads us into this passage this morning in John chapter 15. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. It will be on the screen. Follow along with me as I read It says here, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true grapevine. And if you take notes, you can circle that word true. That's very important. He said, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. So God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they can produce even more. You have already been pruned, Anyone in this room ever been pruned where you've went through a hard time and God prunes you and you become better, right? You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. And then he says in verse four, key words, remain in me and I will remain in you. So the first part is you remain in me and then he says I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you, he says, you remain in me. Look at verse 5. And then Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, what is that last word there? From apart from me, you can do nothing. So ask yourself the question what am I doing? is Jesus a part of my life or not? Is he the one that I'm leaning on or not? Is he the one that's the author and the finisher of my faith? So there's three key players in this story. You've got Jesus, he's the the true vine. Then you have God the Father, he's the gardener. And then you have the branches, and that's you and I. And the Bible says we are called to produce fruit. But you'll notice in verse one, he says, I am the true vine. And that word true is so important because in history past, And even today, and in history, in the future, there are people that are going to come into your life and they're going to say to you, oh, I think I'm the Messiah. Or no, you need to follow me. And, you know, listen to me. Whenever a man tells you to follow him and they, like, act like they're Jesus, run as fast as you can the other way. Okay? Not good. So, Jesus, I am the true vine. What does he say? Why would he say true? Because there's false vines out there. There are people that will try to trick you and say, come and do this and come and follow me. No, no, Jesus is the true vine and there will be others that claim that they are Messiah. How many of you remember years ago the Davidian camp in Waco, Texas and a leader by the name of David Koresh? Anyone remember the story? David Koresh was able to get people, a group of people to go live in a compound and he said to them, I am the Messiah. Oh, did did you know they believed him? They actually thought that he was the Messiah. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Why? Because there will be false people that will come and say that they are the Messiah. But Jesus sets this up when he says, I am the vine. He starts it way earlier in John chapter 6. Look on the screen. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Well, what does that mean? He's the one that gives you sustenance. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. What does that mean? That in him there is no darkness at all. Jesus is light. In him there is no darkness. In John chapter 8, verse 24, he said, If you believe not that I am, right? I am. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In John chapter 8, verse 58, he said, Before Abraham, that guy in the Old Testament, before Abraham was, he said, I am. He's always been and he always will be. If you look at John chapter 10, verse 7, he says, I am the door. Pastor Andy's youth group, when he was starting years ago, 20 years ago, he changed the name, called it the gate. That's really what this is referring to. I am the gate. I am the door. John chapter 10. Look at John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Jesus leaves the 99 that are safe and he goes after the one because he loves the person that is the one. If you look at John chapter 11, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me, believes in me and lives in me will never, ever die. And then he says to Martha, Martha, do you believe this? This is the verse that we read at funerals right here. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In John chapter 15, now he says, I am the vine. If you look at verses 2 and 3, he now begins to talk about the gardener. God the Father is the gardener, and he says the gardener has the power to cut off branches that are not producing fruit While other branches that are kind of producing fruit, he's over there pruning, and the Bible says as he prunes them, they produce more fruit. But when you see that word that the gardener has the ability to cut off a branch, that word cut off, I don't like that word. That word kind of scares me, actually. Think about it. When was the last time somebody used the words, we better cut you off? When I was 15 years old, 15, 16, when I was in high school and I wasn't serving the Lord, I I would go to parties and there would be guys that would drink too much. And what did the people say at the party? You better cut them off. Because if you don't cut them off, they're going to hurt themselves or they're going to hurt somebody. That word cut off, it just doesn't feel good. It's like scary almost. When I was 15, my mother died of cancer. And uh, as you know, as a 15-year-old boy, a mama's boy, it messed me up. Just last week, I was at general council in Columbus, Ohio. I get a text from somebody, and he says, hey, do you want to get together? And it was actually my old youth pastor when my mother died. My youth pastor, when I was 15, is texting me at general council. Are you here? I said, yeah, I'm here. He said, let's get together and talk. So, here at General Counsel, Julie and I, at about 9 o'clock at night, we go downstairs and we go into the seating area. And there's Jose Martinez and his wife sitting there. And Julie and I sit down. And we begin to laugh and talk about old stories. And then he started talking to me about my mom. And he said, Do you remember what you did when your mom died? And I said, oh, I said, You remember that? And he goes, Oh, yeah, I remember it. He said, When your mom died, about three weeks later, he said, You took me out of my apartment, because we were at his apartment. He said, you took me outside of my apartment. We walked down the hallway and just the two of us in the hallway. And I said, Jose, I just want you to know that I am not going to serve the Lord anymore. I said, if this is how God shows love, if this is how he shows love, my mom's never done anything bad. She never drank. She never smoked. She never cussed. She was a great woman. She was faithful to my dad. I said, why would I serve a God that says he loves me and he takes my mom like that? And of course, Jose was a freshman at North Central University. He was like only four years older than me. He didn't know what to say. He's like, oh, you know, like, but but your dad's the pastor. I go, I know my dad's the pastor. I said, I have to go to church on Sunday and I have to go to church on Wednesday. But I'm not telling my dad, but I am telling you, I choose not to serve the Lord because of what God did with my mom. That was a bad time. Now, let me ask you a very simple question. Do you think God that day was cutting me off of the vine? Or do you think I was starting to push away and sever myself from the vine? Listen to me. God is a God of love. That's why he left the 99 to go get the one. He's not a God that just walks around with these cutters and he goes, oh, let's get rid of this one and get rid. of No, he loves you. There's nothing in your life that you've done that he can't help you and forgive you and give you a fresh start. But a lot of times, we're the ones. We start to sever ourselves, and that's what I did at age 15. I severed myself from the vine, and I walked away from Jesus. You know, the Bible says God doesn't want any to perish, but I think sometimes we cut ourselves off and then we blame God. God, why are you cutting me off? And he's like, I never cut you off. You're cutting yourself off. I haven't changed. You're the one that's changing, Jim. Pastor Andy was telling me that you guys are studying the book of First John. And I, I was looking at First John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You'll see it on the screen. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, how many, don't, don't raise your hand, but have you ever sinned? Like, all of us have sinned, right? The Bible actually says, for all have sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So he says here, 1 John 2, 1, My dear children, I am writing to you so that you will not sin, But if anyone does sin, which is all of us in this room, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. In verse 3, And you can be sure that we know him if we obey him. What? Obey his commandments. If somebody claims, well, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar. They're not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Why? That is how we know we are living in him. Why? Look at the end. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Remember years ago when people used to wear the bracelets, WWJD? What would Jesus do? That's where it came from, right there. The key here is that if we are not living in the truth... You can't stay attached to the vine. Only those who love him and are actually following him stay attached to the vine. And you look at verse 4, the answer is pretty simple. Jesus says, this is it right here, remain in me. If we remain in Jesus the vine, then he says, I promise you, I'll remain in you. But notice we have a decision. I have to remain in him. And Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. I promise you. Because a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You can only be fruitful if you remain attached to Jesus. So the question that's going on in this room, and I can sense it right now, some of you are going, what does my fruit look like? Do I have any fruit? Do I have some fruit? No fruit? A lot of fruit? As a pastor, you know, Pastor Andy and Christy, they can't make you be fruitful. As hard as I tried at Rochester Assembly, I couldn't make people be what I wanted them to be because as you walk daily with Jesus Christ, you begin to grow and develop in Christ. It's a natural outflow of your relationship with Jesus. It's not about works. It's not about how much I do in the church. No, no, it's not about, well, they're doing that, so I better do that. No, that's that's the wrong motives. That's that's fleshly work. I only do more because someone else is doing more. No, no, I do more because I'm attached to the vine and I love Jesus and Jesus loves me and I'm going to remain in him and he promises he's going to remain in me. Therefore, I want to produce fruit. It's so simple, it's almost profound. If you remain in Jesus, he promises. He will remain in you. And when it comes down to it, it is the spirit of God inside of you. And it's flowing through you. And what does it do? The spirit of God produces a spiritual fruit. You want to be fruitful. You want something that's going to have eternal lasting effects. A few weeks ago, I was asked to speak at Emmanuel Christian Center with two other guys. And they asked us to speak on the spiritual gifts. There's nine spiritual gifts. And they said, each of you take three. And the three they gave, they gave me was Wisdom knowledge and discernment, discerning of spirits. We each had 50 minutes to talk about these three gifts, and then we had 10 minutes of questions and answers, and then the next guy went, and then the next guy went, and at the very end of it, we had a time where prayer, where people could come up and say, you know, I, I, want, I want spiritual gifts, I want to be used by God. And so I was praying with a guy by the name of Rocky Grahams. He's in his 70s. Him and his wife pastored 40-plus years in Argentina, and Rocky's an amazing guy. And so we're standing up front, and these people started coming. We had an older couple come up, and he came up and said, I just found out I have cancer, so we prayed for a miracle. And then he said, now I want to be used with spiritual gifts. We prayed for him. Another couple came up. They had a prodigal son that was running from God. and So we prayed for that son, and then we prayed for spiritual gifts. And then another couple came up and said, we want to be working together as a team, and we want spiritual gifts in our life. So we prayed for him. I mean, it was so cool. And then a 25-year-old kid comes up by himself, and he says, I really want to. I want spiritual gifts. I want to be used by God. I want to be fruitful. He said, but I feel like there's something blocking it. And as he said that, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And I said, I felt like I was supposed to ask him, Are you married? He goes, No, 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 not married. And I go, Are you dating anybody? He goes, Well, I was, but I'm not dating anyone right now. And I said, Oh, and then I felt like I was supposed to ask him a question. And listen to me don't ask this question unless you really know God's saying it. <laughs> I felt like I was supposed to say, Are you looking at porn? Like, don't do that at Quick Trip tomorrow when you're getting gas. <laughs> That is not going to work. But when the Holy Spirit's working, you have to be obedient at the moment. There's this discernment that's going on. Like, I feel like God wants me to ask this guy. I don't know him from Adam. And I just, I kind of whispered it. I kind of said, hey, are you looking at porn? And he kind of stepped back. His eyes got really big. Because, like, I'm sure he's like, how do you know? And then the next thing, his shoulders humped forward. And he began to weep like a baby. And he said, I can't stop. I want to stop. I love Jesus. I love him with all my heart, but I can't stop. And so we talked for a few minutes, and we prayed for him, and he repented, and he prayed a prayer of repentance. And then the Holy Spirit was so heavy upon this kid. I said, dude, you need to go over here and just kneel down and talk to Jesus. He is working in your life. Do you think that boy right there, do you think God was taking and cutting him off the vine? No. Let me tell you a story where maybe it was happening. Back when Julie and I pastored in the Seattle area from 91 to 2002 or something like that, We had three morning services in the church, and I don't remember which service it was, but at the end of the service, man, God was moving. And at the end of our services, we always had room for people to come up for prayer. And so at the end of the service, if you need prayer, come up, and people were free to go. And so I'm down front, and here comes this couple. And I'm going to tell you, they were kind of rough looking. It's like they lived out in the woods type feel to it, right? Their clothes were of dirty and and just kind of rough, And so he comes up and his wife comes up and they had two little kids and then he looks at his wife and says, take a hike. I thought, that's kind of odd telling your wife to leave. And so she takes the kids and goes out into the lobby area and then this dude, for the next few minutes, he starts telling me, it was almost like we were in a confessional booth. He started telling me every sin he's ever done. And when he finally finished, I go, wow. I said, it's time to Repent. It's time to pray a prayer of repentance. And as I was ready to say, let's pray, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to ask him one more question. Is there anything else? When I asked that question, it seemed like it was about an hour for him to respond, which was probably 10 seconds. I said, is there anything else? And then he looks at me and he goes, well, yeah, it is. He said, I cheat on my wife regularly. And I kind of shook my head, like, "What? I, I didn't hear you. Did I? Can you say that again?" He goes, "I cheat on... <clears> him. <throat> I cheat on my wife regularly." I said, um, "You know that's wrong, right?" He kind of goes, "Well, yeah." I said, "Do you want to pray and ask God to forgive you?" And I said, "Do you want to repent and do you want to have a fresh start today?" And then he said, I'll pray that prayer, Pastor Jim, as long as I can... He was an over-the-road truck driver. So he was gone for two weeks at a time, and during the time he was gone, he wanted his needs met. So he had certain bus truck stops where he would stop, and he had these people that he would meet. And so he says to me, yeah, I'll repent as long as I can continue to stop at the truck stops and still have my needs met. And I looked at him, and I said, "Uh, no... You don't get to pick the sins that you want forgiven and get to keep doing the ones that you want to do. And then all of a sudden his demeanor changed and he kind of became angry. He had angry eyes at me. And he said, I didn't come up here for you to tell me that I can't do this. He said, I came up here so that I don't have to feel burdened. To which my answer was really simple. I said, I am not the vine. Jesus is the vine. And I said, You are the branch. And I said, Either you remain in Him, and He says He promises He'll remain in you. But if you choose to not remain in Him, then I said, You're walking a sticky road. And that day, we didn't pray. He turned around and he walked away. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, you'll see it on the screen. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. What does that mean, crucified? That means you die. Not physically, you die to yourself. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Here's the deal. Jesus died a physical death so that we could have forgiveness of sins. You and I are called to die a death, but it's not a physical death. We are called to die to ourselves and say it's not about me, it's about you. I die to myself and I say I make you the Lord of my life. That's what it's all about. Whenever I go to churches all across the state of Minnesota, I always give this illustration. Imagine on, uh, during the week, let's say that I live in Dexter's neighborhood. Dexter, the, this dude. <laughs> so imagine I live in Dexter's neighborhood. And I don't know him, he doesn't know me, but we're out walking one day and we bump into each other. We're chatting, you oh, know, you live over there, I live over here, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, hey, have you ever, you go to church anywhere? I go, ah, church, I, I'm not spiritual, I'm not religious. I don't go to church. He goes, well, why didn't you come to Echo? I, I, he goes, I lead worship there. And he goes, I, I don't need, I don't need to go to church. He goes, but I'm the one that does this. Why don't you come and just see what it's like? And, and for some reason, I'm going, okay, just to make this neighbor, Dexter, happy, I'm gonna go and see the this place called Echo. On a Sunday morning when Dexter doesn't even know it, he's up front leading. I slip in and I sit in the back. And while I'm sitting in the back, there's Dexter up there leading worship and the team, and it's really good. It was really cool. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know they did this kind of stuff in churches, right? And so I'm sitting back there, and then this young couple comes up. This young couple, a guy named Andy and Christy come up, and they preach this message together, and at the end of it, Andy and Christy are going, you know, you don't have to leave the same way you came in. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And he says, like, you can have your sins forgiven, everything you've ever done, and I've done a lot of bad things. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I can, have, I can walk out of here completely forgiven? And Andy's like, yeah, you can walk out completely forgiven. Is there anybody in this room that would like to be completely forgiven? And I'm like, "Going, well, yeah, me. I'm not raising my hand, but I'm going, Me? And then at the end of it, he says, well, just pray this prayer with me. And he says this prayer, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins, cleanse me, and, and I surrender my life and I ask you to be the Lord of my life and to sit on the throne of my heart. Now, what happens during that prayer is this. You ready for this? As I'm praying that prayer and I say, be the Lord of my life, come and sit on the throne of my heart. This is a throne that I'm sitting on. This is my life. I get out of the throne... And I welcome Jesus to sit on the throne. Did you just see what happened? I was in charge of my life up until I prayed this prayer. And when I did that, I said, no, no, no. I died in myself. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, right? I get up from the chair and Jesus comes and sits on the throne of my heart. And he's now Lord of my life. How cool is that? Like, this is amazing. But you know what happens Sometimes. Sometimes when we say, Jesus, come and sit on the throne of my heart, we slide over halfway across the chair and we go, Jesus, come and sit with me. Has anyone ever been to England, Westminster Abbey? In Westminster Abbey, if you watch the coronation, there is a throne and only the king, which was King Charles, before it was his mother, the queen, Only the queen got to sit in that chair, and then when she died, now only the king gets to sit in the chair. I dare you if you ever go visit London, I dare you to go into Westminster Abbey and run up there and sit in the throne. (laughs) They will kill you. They will chop your legs off and send you back to America in a box because the throne is only made for the king. And yet we go like this come and sit with me. How much more of a king is Jesus than the king of England? How about this? We won't even share the throne in our own home. You say, throne? What are you talking about? You know, in the bathroom, the throne. When was the last time any of you said, come and sit with me? Not one of you say, that's crude, pastor. Well, it's real. We won't even share the throne in the bathroom, and yet we think Jesus is going to share the throne with us? Seriously, when was the last time you shared the throne? You think Jesus is going to share the throne of your heart? Remember the ver- the words: either He's Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. And one of the, I used to love uh, the song uh, by Carrie Underwood: "Jesus Take the." Because she in this, in the song she says, "I can't do it anymore. I can't do this anymore." And what does she do? She slides over into the passenger seat. And she says, Jesus, take the wheel and take me on a journey. And you know what? When Jesus is the driver of your life, it's amazing. But there are moments when we're driving with him, and he's the driver, he's the Lord of our life, he's got the wheel, he wants to turn left, and for whatever reason, we grab the wheel as a passenger. We go, no, I want to go right. And what does Jesus do? Jesus slams on the brakes, puts it in park, gets out of the car and says, Jim, if you want to be the driver of your life, go ahead, but I will not share the wheel with you. So what's the answer? Let's assume that Jesus is sitting in the driver's seat. The answer is to get in the back seat. And let him show for you, and he will take you places, and you will do things that you've never dreamed possible. But for some reason, we're fleshy people. We become backseat drivers, and Jesus is going this way, and we we reach over. You ever done this? You ever had somebody do this? They reach over from the backseat and they grab the wheel. Like don't do that. And what does Jesus do? He slams on the brakes, gets out of the car, and says, "Jim, come on. I thought I was Lord of your life." If you want to be the driver of your life, go ahead. But I will not share the, I'm not going to share the wheel with you. So what's the answer? The answer is to get the keys out of the car. Go to the back of the car, open the trunk. Climb into the trunk, your whole body. Hand Jesus the keys to the trunk. And close yourself completely in. Boom, close the door. And then through that little crack in the trunk, scream out the words, Jesus, take the wheel. Maybe I should ask you the question, who's driving your car? Who's driving your car? Who's the one that's sitting on the throne of your heart? (sighs) From the mouth of a child. He hasn't learned yet that his flesh will become strong. And sometimes we think we're in charge again. My heart breaks today because we blame God for things that he never does. When something goes bad in our life, we blame God. God, why are you doing this? He's going, what are you talking about, man? I love you. I died for you. And then God looks at us and says, why are you driving the car? Let me back in. Let me be the driver. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I'm sorry, I think I've gone over this morning. I'm going to ask Pastor Andy to come. He's going to give you an opportunity to let Jesus take the wheel. He's going to give you the opportunity to let Jesus sit on the throne of your heart. I challenge you this morning, make this the best day ever. Let him be the vine. Let you be the branch. And let's see you produce fruit that lasts for eternity,
2: Pastor. I just sense that God is doing something in our hearts and our life. And as Jim was preaching um, something just kind of like dropped in my own heart. And I, I think there's a little subtle message within that scripture that we read originally in John 15. And what it talks about is that God's message will prune you. That's what it said, is God's message will prune you. Uh, and, and I just felt this is what I need to, re- to repeat back to somebody in this room. God's message will prune you or your method may ruin you. And uh, if you're anything like me, it's easy to to walk the well, it's desirable to walk the high line. You want the best of the both worlds. You want Jesus and you want the world. You know, it's just easy to get stuck into that temptation. And and uh, just honestly, in, in the depth of my soul, I feel like God is 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 calling some of you to uh, as Jim did so well in illustrating uh, to give God the keys. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Give Jesus the wheel and jump in the trunk. You know, just like what a crazy, kind of funny illustration, but so true. I mean, I was just thinking about the trunk this this service. I'm thinking like, man, yes, like God calls us to die. You know, like that's the place where He brings the best life out of us. And here at Echo Church, we we pray a prayer every week that reminds us that we cannot do life alone, but that we need Jesus. And every week someone comes into this church not praying that prayer ever before. And yet there's many of us who pray this every week. And I think it's such a significant moment because this is what the church is meant to be. People who've been allowing Jesus to drive their car, metaphorically speaking, And yet some people are just learning how to do that in the first place. So Echo Church, will you stand up and can you join me in praying this? Understanding that someone for the very first time will ask and and maybe realize that they, they are a sinner and they can only be saved by grace. And we need a rescue from Jesus. So let's pray this. Pray along with me. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. I feel like God is in the business of doing something in our life. And, and honestly, like the band's going to play a song here in a moment. I just feel like he wants to continue that work here just for the next few moments. And so can you, let me just pray for you right now. God, I just ask that that you would do your work. God, we are so thankful for Pastor Jim, so thankful for the word that you gave him. But God, it is by your hand that does the work as men we, and, and as women, God, of, of, of your word, we, we sow the seed, but it's the one that, you're the one that makes it grow. You're the one that waters it. And so we ask that you would just do something in and through us here in the next few moments as we press into you in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? you for the tangible presence of your Holy Spirit but thank you for the reminder from Pastor Jim that call to repentance the acknowledgement of our sin and how you turn us the opposite way God, I pray for fresh starts. God, for people that are dealing with addiction, I pray for hope once again. God, would you bring hope restored to them? God, I just pray for people that are dealing with physical illness or mental, emotional toil. God, I just ask that you would just restore the mind today. You would restore the mind jesus that you would renew their spirit from the inside out because we're connected to the vine you are the vine lord and we are the branches we cling to you we allow your message to prune us Now may you begin to change our methods. May you lead us. May you guide us. May we be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Has God good?" Hey, can we take a moment and just honor Pastor Jim? Hey.